Introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Let's get done for eSports! <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nerf This. I am Seven. Yes, I'm not Brian. I'm not Brian. It's Seven. There's no base. All the base is gone from your podcast. It's just me this week. Brian's on vacation, out running around Japan. I believe he went to Evo. Might have got kicked out of Evo. Either way, he wasn't there day three. Uh, but joining me this week, we have the amazing, uh, awesome, beautiful, handsome. Uh, I, I can't run out of adjectives. I'm just, I'm, yeah, Kevin Hit. Hello. <laughs> hey, also not Brian. <laughs> also not Brian. Yes, this, this is correct. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, a pleasure to be here. Uh, I mean, how many more events can you have in, you know, just a week span? It's just an uh, exciting time to be in esports. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and speaking of exciting times, you found a new home over at VP Esports. We were just chatting about this before the show. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, a new startup. They just uh, been around, started January 1st, uh, no doubt. And, uh you know, I took a swing and uh, they came to me and said, hey, we're in uh, some need of some writers. And I said, well, I do that. I type on a keyboard and put words on a screen and sometimes people read it. So um, signed a contract. <laughs> and uh, next thing you know, I was uh, in Boston, been traveling around. Although my official beat for VP Esports is covering the Overwatch League and all things Overwatch. But I think there's going to be a slight crossover into some CSGO. You can't help it, man. It's in your blood. It's in your blood. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, uh, this week, uh, they kind of just uh, you know, paints a picture for the show this week. We're going to go ahead and talk about uh, the CSGO, uh, the major, the E-League major in Boston, because holy crap, is it the year of NA? Well, I'm hoping it's the year of NA. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Overwatch, some random controversies within Overwatch and within CSGO. Uh, but first, that Boston major, holy shit <laughs> like the entire time i'm sitting in a restaurant and I, I just i had to like i was just pounding beers i was like freaking out but i was like come on cloud nine come on come on because everybody who listens to the show knows i'm a cloud nine fan and uh, i thought for certain oh it's typical cloud nine they're out oh and two this is it we're done uh and then holy shit we're in a final <laughs> like we're in the final we can do it but i can't imagine being there you were there Let's talk about yeah. that, Kevin. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, funny thing is, I think everybody became a Cloud9 fan, you know, once they came back from that uh, O2 deficit. And um, crazy thing happened in Boston. The old Cloud9 you thought you once knew is gone. It's a brand new team. And as, as uh, you know, Skadoodle, Tyler Latham said, it's the new era of Cloud9. And they proved it and they showed the world that, you know, you make a couple of roster changes and you get a lot of these young guys that are very talented, very skilled. And I'm going to age myself here. 
they, <laughs> there's a movie, Iron Eagle, came out in the 80s. Lewis Gossett Jr. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I will tell you, these guys have the Iron Eagle. They have <laughs> no fear. They fear nothing. Uh, Tarek and Rush have just brought such a new feel to this squad that it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the stage. These guys are going to take care of them. And I can't tell you what we talked about before their finals, but uh, it, it was really funny. I'll tell you that. But I tell you what, Boston became the home of cloud nine for that entire weekend. And it was a sight to see. I, yeah, man, I have no, uh, no idea like how they pulled it off. Well, <laughs> because I mean, again, very much a cloud nine fan talked about it quite a bit on the show. Uh, I, I, I wear the, the shirt I'm there watching them. Uh, and I, I swear when they, when nothing in shroud stepped out of that roster and they brought in Tarek and rush, I was super skeptical. Now I know that Tarek and rush did great e-league season two, back on optic like they were they were quality but when they lost stanislaw it, they seemed to not do well right and so once stanislaw went optic kind of fell apart and so then i'm super skeptical like well Tarek and rush like really but they complement each other so well they fit so well in this team and let's talk a little bit about the fact that like, they've taken shot calling away from stewie and given it to Tarek. and i think the the final was a perfect example of two different types of shot callers, Kerrigan and Tarek. And it's quite obvious that Tarek's style was just on point and, and really won them that game. Just tore people up. Even against SK, was just tearing people up. As a shot caller, you don't see that normally. Oh, yeah. Well, backing up just a little bit, just so you know, you know, when, when Stan left... Um, although it created a vacuum at Optic and Optic played very poorly, that was the beginning of the greatness for Rush and Tarek. It allowed them to be who they wanted to be. And although, you know, the results for Optic weren't there and that team imploded, once um, Shroud and uh, Nothing were benched on the Cloud9 side of things, you know, I talked to Valens a little bit, and he said, man, we had our eyes on those two for so long. We think that they were going to be really, really good. And once they got brought over, and I think you'll note, you know, Stewie never wanted to be the in-game leader. He just right. wants to frag. Yeah. He just wants to go out there and get after it. And the funny thing is, is I think you nailed it. Tarek, as much as he's a crazy person, you know, outside of CSGO, uh, he he knows when to slow down the play. I mean, cloud nine rushed and went fast in this North American style, almost reckless at times, but he saw that and he slowed down when he needed to. He forced when he needed to. And, uh, he, he's a smart guy and he gets it. And, uh, with rush by his side, I really feel like, um, they feel invincible as a duo. No joke. Yeah, absolutely. And you you called it out like Tarek's style was very much uh, being up front, almost like it almost in a lot of ways an entry fragger. Like he was always in the middle of everything. And if you look at like just his general amount of kills, his KDA even like it's considerably higher than than, you know, someone who's sitting back making the calls uh, like like Kerrigan. I mean, you look at like he just out fragged him completely. And that's because he's up front and he's he's getting the information. He's in the face. And also he's making the 
he's making the aggressive moves and he's and he's pulling back and making the rotations when he needs to based on what he's seeing. And he was getting that information before uh, Phase Clan essentially could, or before any opponent really was uh, for the majority of, of the tournament. And it's weird because it didn't really happen it, until after they went 0-2. You look at him during 0-2 and his numbers sucked. And I was like, oh, man, Tarek, what is going on? Like, again, you, you default back to, he's just a streamer. He's not really that great, yada, yada, yada. Like, what, what's going on? He's no replacement for Shroud or nothing. And then he just turned it on. And he showed some amazing classes. He showed some amazing calls. People just couldn't handle Cloud9. What, what, what kept people in the game against Cloud9 was was clutches and the failure for Cloud9 to capitalize on those clutches in a lot of in a lot of ways. Uh but overall like shot calling wise, he was just so impressive. They were always like in your face. They were always on top of it. They made great rotations, some kind of crazy outlandish calls at times that just worked. And they were really uh, just the strongest version of Cloud9 I think I've ever seen ever seen. Even the version that beat uh SK Gaming in Brazil, still, they could have whipped that Cloud9's ass. Oh, for sure. And, you know, here's the difference. The difference really was, look, Jordan and Shroud and Tyler, uh, Skadoodle and Automatic, they all are very similar in their personalities in terms of their in-game. They're all very stoic. They're all very, uh, you know, refined and calculated. And that's exactly what Cloud9 was needing to get rid of. They needed to get rid of a couple of those. And they needed to bring some guys that are in your face. Because what happens is they will take the brunt of the punishment. And that actually allows, you know, uh, Automatics, Gadoodle, and Stewie to just play the game that they want to play that they need to play. Because now they can be themselves. They don't have to aggro. They don't, I mean, this was Gadoodle's best major ever daddy yeah that guy he was all over the place with that op and he you know he's the longest tenured member of cloud nine i i talked to him at length about this team and i'll tell you what the funny thing (laughs) funny story uh after after the quarterfinal win um we made sure that we put his uh what do you call it? His name tag in the middle of the stage as a joke, because we know that he doesn't like to talk and be the center of attention. So (laughs) we put his name tag in the middle, but he did um, a little beatbox for us right before. So that was fun. But Tyler uh, Skadoodle came into his own and he Tarek and Rush allow him to be who he needs to be. And that is the strength of this cloud nine team. Tarek and Rush allow the other three to be who they need to be. Yeah, and I think we saw a lot of that. We saw, uh, you know, Automatic, uh, who's shown uh, a lot of uh, brilliance he in the give past. Me an interview, by the way, that guy. Uh, oh, really? Automatic wouldn't. Oh, he oh, was man. he was salty, or just maybe it was superstition or something. But he was denying interviews left and right on the uh, quarterfinal final. It, so, in all honesty, like I, it's funny because like he had moments of brilliance. And he had moments where he kind of felt like it was, it was kind of collapsing on him. He wasn't pulling it off, and I've definitely seen him play better. Um, but he was surrounded by everybody who was just really at the top of their game, right? Like, uh, Skadaddy was rocking it. Uh, you, you know, you had Tarek who was just killing it. Rush was always seemingly there, right? And so they had, they were so aggressive uh, on rifles. They had such great, 
uh, entry frags. They were doing so well. They were always covering each other. They had great angles. Uh, their utility was was amazing. Uh, and so they, they were just... It was just a cloud nine that I wasn't nobody was used to saying like nobody even Faze was like yeah great we're in cloud nine the final we got this and they nearly dropped that first round right they nearly yep. dropped it on mirage uh it, it was really again cloud nine giving up i think they were up what eight one at one point in time nine one uh and then coming back and lose it 16 14 and really that's why i was like oh it felt like we had the quality it felt like we had but we're going to drop it um but that whole thing just continued, and what it boiled down to it was like Cloud9 just started getting those clutch plays, right? Uh, Skidaddy was doing great, uh, and, and you had uh, uh, even Stewie, like, holy crap, like that double overtime. It, just He's holding down point B on Inferno, and he's in a corner with the op, and they're running three. It's like three on one, and he clutches it. Like, you... You just, I was like jumping up in a restaurant because it wasn't like six rounds beforehand, uh, or actually at the beginning of Inferno, he's got, it's the pistol round and he, that same exact, exact setup, exact same spot. And he whiffs on all three people. I think he maybe tagged one half acidly, but he whiffs on all three and they just turn and plow him down. And this time I'm like, oh my God, he's in a corner with an op. There's three of them with rifles. This is done. This is done. And he's like, bam, bam, bam. That's it. And I'm like, He's a god. This is why I have a poster of him above my bed. <laughs> Holy shit, man. You've renewed my faith. But it was just I, a scary moment. But they, oh, they were doing sure. that all game long. Oh, for sure. And think about it like this. This is not, again, this is not the same Cloud9 team. Think about it in terms of we've seen Cloud9 have some tight maps and then just implode on the next map if they didn't win it. <laughs> yeah, I right. mean. You know, these guys would just get something would get in their head. They just wouldn't perform. This is the most mentally tough cloud nine team you have ever seen. They don't care if they lose in terms of how they're going to perform the next map. It doesn't affect them. They still want to go out there and they're going to frag hard. They don't allow that kind of, you know, um, what would, what would you call it? lack of confidence seep into their heads right right they believe they're going to win every duel every round every map every tournament now and again it's just that mindset that balance has helped create by identifying that in both Tarek and Rush yeah, and it's just been great. To be honest, though, uh, Tarek did say in an interview after the fact that he was nearly losing his shit uh, on the last couple of like overtimes. Yeah, your final, yeah, but look what happened. But they, yeah, they they, they held it together. Crumbled. They totally didn't crumble. And so, but here's what's crazy: like phase, um, phase. I think a lot of people, uh, probably eighty percent of the people, uh, at least pegged them to win it. If not, it was going to be an, a phase SK final. Like I think even you and I had discussed this beforehand. Phase SK, that's where it's going to end up being because phase is so hot right now. Uh, SK was even with a stand-in who's we'll t- we'll get to that in a minute. Was still very 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 strong. Uh, nobody expected Cloud9. Cloud9 was even on a rate radar, right? This was like maybe quarterfinal at best. That's my hope. Um, yeah. But phase again, here they are. They're the uh, same boat Astralis was in for so long, right? Getting to the final, choking. It wasn't really a choke. They just got outplayed. They got out They got out called on this, right? Yeah. Um, I think the breakdown was really on there, and they just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again, <laughs> and in a lot of scenarios on a lot of maps. And Cloud Nine were changing it up against them. And so, uh, where 
or how or how does phase get that major win what do they need to do what do they need to change to make that happen well for me um gosh i look sometimes you just get outplayed and I, I just call it that uncontrollable athletic moment or the uncontrollable esports moment where a team is just playing so well that, you know, it's just really hard to beat them. I think FaZe needed to win a couple more duels and they needed to finish. I mean, there were too many clutches that they were allowing to happen um, uh, that lost them rounds that they needed to win. And I think if they would have stopped, you know, five to seven more clutches, I mean, look at how close these scores were, you know, they probably win the major. But, yeah. you know, Cloud9 pressured them. And again, when Cloud9 didn't fold, you know, normally like they have done after, you know, a close uh, map loss, I, FaZe will tell you they weren't thinking about that. But I'll tell you what, as soon as the pressure continued on, um, that was when I knew Cloud9 was going to win this thing. And, uh, you know, FaZe Clan, for whatever reason, had no answer for Cloud9's clutches. Yeah, and it was strange, too, because, I mean, uh, Guardian was doing incredibly well. Olaf Meister, holy, like, there were times where you're just, you're just like, yeah, this is this is why he's a legend, <laughs> right? Um, it, they definitely, they played well. Uh, I, there wasn't really any markedly like, oh, they just, they threw it. They weren't doing great. Uh, somebody was off. It didn't really seem like that. It just seemed like they were getting to the points later, right? They were making the rotations later. They just always seemed to be one step behind. Uh, but when it came to clutches, they were mostly winning them, but they were literally like two clutches away from winning this major. And... Uh, but it's, it's crazy the fact that, that Cloud Nine took them to that point, or allowed to be allowed them to be taken to that point in, in general. And so, I still think there's a lot there. I think Kerrigan um, is a, a great in-game leader. I think he he knows his stuff well. Um, I think this is going to be a, a learning experience for him. I think like I don't think he's seen a team play this aggressively. Or make this wild, these wild of calls. I think what happens is you get in that kind of mode where you, you know, you, you've you've got uh, such a long season that everybody's kind of using the same strats over and over and over again, and it just becomes kind of automatic. And I think maybe he took that for granted, or maybe he assumed like this is how Cloud Nine normally does things. Uh, but this is new. Maybe that worked uh, for Cloud Nine. Is the fact that they are different. Tarek is a different leader than what they've been used to, or what they've been used to, what they've shown in the past. Um, I think it's going to be a learning experience for them, but I still think FaZe is still one of the one of the toughest teams out there. They they didn't show. I mean, this was this was probably the best major ever because it was three games. I think we had like double OT. Uh, it was just insanity. It was so close. Everything was close. There was no blowouts. And uh, man, it just I I could watch twenty more just rounds of that like, it was just nuts um but yeah so uh, with that i think we're going to take a uh, a quick break uh we'll be back we're going to talk a little bit more csgo before we jump into all that overwatch shenanigans uh and yeah we'll be right back All right, and we are back, and we're going to talk about uh, some CSGO. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, Kevin's here. I can't stop. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, we want to talk about some of the controversies 
around the major. So let's just talk about the roster problems, right? The locking in of rosters, uh, SK and Astralis were the two, probably the heaviest hit with all of this, right? Um, Astralis was not able to swap out device because of uh, his illness or issues going on, health issues. Uh, And SK were forced to go without Bolt and were using uh, Phelps, correct? Um, And as a stand-in, right? So we've got two teams who weren't really running in which they, the way in which they thought they should be. Um, but because of the, the amount of time that you have to lock in your rosters ahead of time or the, just the way the major works in general, uh, they weren't allowed to make those changes. So do you think Astralis and SK were so heavily affected by this that they, either one of them could have been in the finals had they had their druthers, so to speak? Yeah, it's a good question, and uh, I'm going to go with no with Astralis and yes with SK. In, in the in terms of Astralis, they've just been playing poorly um, for a, for a little while now, and I think now just with uh, Kirby, um announcing that he left Astralis, I think we now are having some idea that maybe there was some strife in the team. And um, Mm -hmm. so I think that was part of the reason why Astralis has not been performing um, as well as they have in the past. Um, And then when you have SK, um, I mean, come on, SK has, you know, two of the most talented players in the world on their team and Fallen and Coldzera. And with Taco coming into his own and, and, and learning, you know, he's been, he just gets better every, every day. Um, and so with that, I really do think that if Bolts was with SK, um, that could have been a different story for them in Cloud9 in that semifinal match. As, you know, Bolts is actually the perfect complement to this SK gaming squad. He is uh, a quiet leader. He follows directions. He can. He's very skilled. Um, and he doesn't have an ego when it comes to you know, having a position on the team, whether he's lurking, entry fragging, whatever. Um, the guy's ego is always in check, and he's the consummate team player. So um, I do believe that SK, yeah. I mean, I would have loved to see that SK match with Bolts in it in there. But um, as far as Astralis, I think there were deeper issues than the one-person switch. I agree with you on Strauss, but I'm not sure I 100% side with SK on the issues, right? So one of the reasons is, like, so you look at, uh, was it Cologne? Was it ESO1 Cologne when Bolts, when they, he was technically a stand-in then, and they won it all. So they, they did it with a stand-in then, and then afterwards they made him part of the team, right? So that's when that all went down. Uh, and so they were very, very strong then. They were able to take down a lot of teams, um, or all the, all the other teams. But leading up to this, I had heard that they chose to continue to practice with Bolts and not with Phelps. So they didn't do as much practicing for the major with Phelps as which they should have. And I don't know if that was because they either assumed. I, this one is no, like they, answered that question. Fallen answered okay, that right. question in the press conference. So you bring up a good point. Fallen, when asked about, you know, the roster and things like that, he said, we would rather have fun and play with our brothers than win. True story. Okay. So all the bitching and complaining that all the SK fans had about all this, it was really just a, a 
moot point being the fact that they were just there to have fun at the major, <laughs> right? Well, they know they can win having fun. You know what I mean? Right, like that's right. kind of the point is that they don't want to play an entire weekend under, you know, under pressure of not getting along and somebody acting out and things like that. They would rather have harmony amongst the team and for this particular tournament anyways, in, instead of really trying to, you know, what's the bigger picture here? The bigger picture is Bolts being on the team for the whole year, rather, because look, there's a lot of tournaments at the same price pool, and the major, and this is going to be sacrilege, and I apologize, but the major just isn't what it used to be. And so they wanted to make sure they were going to, you know, practice with Bolts so they could play with Bolts so that they could win a lot of tournaments and not just worry about, you know, the one. Yeah, but how much of, how much of this is kind of setting up for the cop-out, right? You know, you, you're like, well, I, I, seriously, it, it, that's what I got from it, right? When you don't practice with the person you're going into it with, you're either looking to either cre- recreate that narrative that you've got before, where it's like, wow, they did it all with a stand-in, and that's the narrative of like, oh, everybody's, uh, they're just so great because, you know, they can do it with a stand-in, basically four on five they win, uh, or in this case, they're like, well, we didn't make it because we had a stand in. So either way, you either like you're either looked at as gods or like, oh, you're pitied upon because you didn't get the, the team you want. But you didn't practice. Right. Had they practiced with him, even for however long, week, two weeks, whatever it may take, they knew that this was coming since what? Like roster locks were like late October, November. So they yeah. knew that this was going on for some time. And they chose not to practice it off of the major. And there was a I mean, we're looking at January. So they. It's been quiet for a little while. There hasn't been a ton of stuff going on. So they had time to do it. They just chose not to because they'd rather do it with bolts. And I get the I get the long-term vision. That makes sense. But there is no excuse that like in, in in which two weeks of time to practice with the person you're going into a major with, you could have done it, but you chose not to over to have quote unquote fun, which ultimately I feel just having a damn excuse. This is one of the only teams that can right? do that. Let's just true, true. This I mean, is one of the only teams that, even if you or I were playing on it, they should still make it to the quarterfinals. <laughs> they could. I, I couldn't even figure out how to log my ass in. They'd still <laughs> win it <laughs> with my minus fifty KD. I, I, they would I'm, still make it. I'm not discounting. I'm not discounting their 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 quality or how well they play. It's just the fact that uh, how they perceived this major and, and how. Uh, seriously, they took it. Different, man. They're a different breed. The way they think, I love them. They're all passionate, and they're all <laughs> it's a brotherhood. And they literally did think like that. They're like, "What else? I just want to have fun and play." And that's what they did. You know, if they were still called Luminosity, they never would have done this. I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. One of the other things that uh, was also uh, talked about was having the the multiple games in the same day. So essentially, uh, SK also had to play uh, the semis as well as the quarters in the same day. And a lot of people say not only did they have that stand in they didn't practice with, but they also <laughs> had to play two people in the same day. Uh, and at one point in time, they show a shot. And I think it was Fur was like yawning uh, while <laughs> on stage. I'm like, come, come on! Like you're in Boston at a major. This is the semis. Uh, I, how do you keep yourself awake? Yeah, you play some CS:GO. Well, yeah, but one of the questions I was going to ask them at the press conference was, "What kind of donut do you sit on since you had to be on stage for like eight hours?" And um, you know, but look, 
you want let's get to brass tacks here. You know, I tweeted out right after uh, SK lost that in the three previous majors, the team that had to play twice lost. And I, I think that's significant. I think, you know, let me ask you. You and Data. You and Data. Why I, you got to bring Data know, right? it, It's a money versus competitive integrity issue in my mind. It's, oh, if we did four, two, and one, if we did quarterfinals to semis, you know, call four on one day, semis on one day, finals on the other. Uh, you know how much money it costs in overtime and the facility, I, blah, 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 all that. I get it, yeah. Yeah, but okay. Well, if that's what your worry is, you are acting how the NC2A treats Division Two sports, which is instead of having a national tournament, they regionalize them, and it they put money ahead of competitive integrity. And that's a problem, especially when you have this much money. See, now you've got me all freaking hot and bothered. <laughs> this kind of shit. It. It. It's like competitive integrity is the most important thing in these tournaments. So let me ask you this. Why is it that SK was, had to do that? I mean, who right. tells you? I mean, it's not It's not a, what do you call that, transparent, you know, uh, thing. So, look, if we're going to have a fair tournament, which – I don't think it was, to be perfectly honest. You need to play all four quarterfinals in one day. You need to play the semis, and then you need to play the finals. And if you can't do that because of money, well, then don't have the freaking tournament. Yeah, I, I, I totally get the the logistics reasons as to why it was done. I don't think it's necessarily fair, um, in all honesty, because it does. It, it sucks, even though it's, it is, oh, I had to play twice in one day. Uh, it's not fair to the other team who did not, right? And so, because you're on our basically ten, and they're just starting their day, essentially, right? Well, yeah, and, and you know, they, they got up, they had to practice, you know, and then they played, and then there were some, if I'm not mistaken, there were some um, technical issues that kept them on the stage even longer. And so, at the end, I think they had, I think it was a nine or ten hour day when Cloud Nine practiced walked in, played a match, and left. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think largely what we should do is play the quarters one day and then do semis and finals. You can do the semis and finals on the same day, but I think largely what you do is you're looking at logistically, uh, you know, one, packing that arena, getting that arena torn down, right? Those are the two things, right? You want to make sure people show up, uh, so therefore it needs to be on weekend, but therefore you're paying OT, uh, this is coming from someone who is actually like run conventions and I know, understand what's going on. Uh, and then on Sunday, you've got a lot, the amount of time for them to actually tear down and you've got to get your production crew out there. So I, I get that you want Sunday to be kind of a shorter day, um, but you can also achieve that by just playing three instead of four matches, which is essentially the quarterfinals. And so you can do it. Uh, it's a little more drawn out. And in all honesty, if you're going to run show matches beforehand, do a late start and run show matches beforehand, why not just run your semis the same day? There you go. That right. show match is what people are talking about. You had time to run a show match, which, by the way, was super entertaining. And Richard Lewis freaking crushed it as a caster. I'm not sure if uh, he had a cheat uh, sheet of fun banter, but he nailed it. But that you bring up a good point. It's like they got that match in and you know, I, again, it just, I really would have loved to just have 
a fair tournament. And look, that's not really on E-League, to be perfectly honest, because that's a format a lot of people had been doing. So it, it makes sense to me why they did it. And, you know, it doesn't, how do I say this? It doesn't, I don't have, I don't uh, hold E-League at fault uh, completely for this because there is precedent. But going forward, uh, if the next major is in London with the ECS folks in September, then they need to make it a 4-2-1 kind of deal. I, I, I'm completely throwing it on E-League's shoulder just because, no, uh, I, I think that um, the the adjustment to the schedule should be made and or change days, how it's done. I think that those changes would be welcome and or if you're coming from, uh, if, if the structure, not saying necessarily CSGO in general, if you have a loser's bracket and they're coming through and they're playing through the loser's bracket and they have to play twice in the same day, that's different. That's like a penalty for coming through loser's bracket. But when everybody's on equal footing and you're essentially in the same bracket on the same level, uh, I don't think that you should have to play two games in the same day. I'm giving SK a little bit of shit because of the whole not practicing <laughs> piece, but it's true. They shouldn't have to. And in this case, I don't 100% think that they would have taken Cloud9, but it would have probably it would have been a lot closer. But Cloud9 was just running so hot at that point in time. I don't think anybody, I don't think they were going to be stopped. That's obvious. Like, it, I think if Cloud9 dropped O2 to phase, then people would be saying even more so, like, SK should have been there, right? Um, but the fact that Cloud9 took it, I think people can be like, well, you know, maybe they were the real thing this tournament. And so, therefore, it's kind of kind of quiet some people. But uh, one of the other uh, things I did want to chat about here, um, Kerrigan, after the fact, was, was very critical of some of the, the tournament structures. Um, and and how they were laid out. And I, and I want to run this past you as well. Uh, he mentioned that because of the, uh, the amount uh, of tournaments, uh, that qualifying doesn't always take into account other recent tournaments. Uh, in this case, you know, phase can reach the quarters or semifinals of virtually all tournaments for the entirety of the year, but not one. And because of that one that they missed out on, they have to go through an entire qualifier round and so on and so forth to make another tournament. Do you think there needs to be some sort of uh, change up to the system in, in terms of who gets invited or how you qualify based on previous placements in other tournaments throughout the year? Or do you think it needs to be this kind of rough, rougher schedule or like, well, you still need to qualify for us because we're our own special snowflake. Man, that, oh God, the entire system needs to be shelved and redone. Just 100%. There is no reason um, to have the majors. And from what I understand, I mean, think about it. Where are we in February? I mean, doing the math, you have February, March, April, May, June, July. So now you have a major. If if we're only doing two majors a year and you have one in January and one in September, it, it's it's crazy to me in terms of how, I mean, you've seen it. How many of these teams have the same freaking rosters, you know, forever? And then the major system, it it makes you not able to change. So if you've got, you know, again, perfect example of karma would be the immortal situation with a hundred thieves and a right. hundred thieves, you know, having to drop out and then hundred thieves having to can their entire CSGO operation. That 
tells you that the system is broken. It's just broken. And so here's what I would like to see. I would like to see a series of qualifiers, and I don't even want them broken down by region. I just want to have, so you have your eight teams um, that are in the tournament, and I want to see qualifiers where the winner, let's say we have eight qualifiers, and you know, you're playing in those, and the winner of each of those eight get to be, you know, the challengers. Or if you're doing the same thing that, uh, you know, E-League did with the challengers, champions, uh, challengers, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So then, so then you take the two teams. So you have eight qualifiers you run. The winner of the qualifier is a legend stage entry. You know, the whatever... Uh, the second place team is a challenger state. Like there has to be a new system where you don't have to rely on your roster being the same every six months, because we know there's a lot of turnover. So I would like to see a very, uh, a brand new system. One of which that um, keeps rosters intact if it can, but if it can't, we need to have some adjustment to the rules so that if stuff happens, they can have a substitute um, more readily available instead of having to play with a coach. Part of the structure actually lending to the fact where your teams kind of have to keep their roster together for a longer amount of time in some ways feels a little bit better. Just in the fact that it, because, you know, two years ago, CSGO was very much a, a shuffle of players constantly and locking them in a little bit more helps at least slows down the craziness. We don't have like the whole luminosity SK bit. Uh, we don't have all the French teams just swapping players depending on what weekend well, it is. How'd that work out for Bolt and Steel? Let's well, all right, all right. All right. I, I mean, it's two guys that did nothing wrong. I mean, two true. of the nicest guys on the planet, right? Yeah, you, you so, make a good point. <laughs> yeah, and and they got gypped. Yeah. They didn't get sticker money. They didn't get winnings. Yeah. And so, so now none of them did. But the point is, the if the rules are forcing kids like that to not be able to participate, the rules suck and need to be changed. Yeah. So uh, what I'm saying is more so along the lines of instead of locking it necessarily to individuals on, on, a, on a team, right, um, or to every individual on the team, right? So, for instance... Uh, I think it was maybe it's Dota locks it to a team, but you have to have like four of the five, I think, or three of the five. At least a majority of the players have to be from the original team that qualified essentially for it. And then that makes more sense to me. Right. So in this case, Bolts and Steel would have been there was no other no additional members of their team essentially playing. There was no other team essentially that they were locked in with quote unquote uh, playing. So they should have been able to play. I agree with that. I don't think that they should have been locked up. That's kind of crap because this is what they prepare for the entire time. Uh, and then they get thrown in some weird, like random, uh, they both know. own one fifth of a slot. Right. Right. I mean, right. And then they parlay that onto another team. Right. Exactly. And, and on top of that, uh, not even on onto another team, but a team that is already qualified. Like, what? It's not like they're bringing a random team into it. But they, in the case of Bolts, SK was already there. <laughs> they already had four of the five. 
uh, and were forced to do a stand-in versus someone who's basically a free agent uh, or who wasn't no longer, but it was on their team who was already qualified as well. That should have been washed, right? Like, okay, cool, got it. No big deal. I, I mean, I understand the changes. I think the system needs to exist in a way which gives uh, players a little bit of security in the sense of like, hey, I've made it with this team. I, the, you know, sticking with the team, the roster's kind of staying together a little bit longer uh, than they had been in the past, but allows them to uh, essentially qualify with certain points, right? It's it's kind of like this Hearthstone HCT piece, which is by no means even really a good system but you you qualify in terms of points throughout the year with different tournaments uh, based on the, the the strength and level of that tournament so if it's like an open qualifier tournament uh and then you make it all the way to the end cool that's worth more points than just a specific invitee tournament uh so that people can't game the system and that, that makes sense in in the in the long run because you're you're gaining points to that team that team gets to make it uh maybe players on that team are associated with points and therefore if a player leaves you lose points but you could still technically qualify and swap out whatever it may be i think there needs to be some kind of change versus a well you're on a different team you can't play and that sucks uh but i also agree on the fact that there's so much csgo that making a team qualify for a tournament has actually become uh, for some teams a red flag is we're just not going to do it like you look at like i am oakland was like really uh, uh hampered by that a year before last when teams were like well we didn't get an invite they want us to qualify we're not going to do it and you you know that, that's why some of these teams made sister teams or academy teams and those have since been burnt down because of wessa but it was because of that fact, like, well, if you make us qualify, we're sending this group. If you don't make us qualify, we're sending our, our main people. And that's that's tournament running and not necessarily league running or points running towards a major. They, they, the system needs to be figured out. And it sounds like, well, there's a lot of tournaments and a lot of different people running them. There's not a lot of different people running. It's mostly the same groups. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Look, we all know that back in the day, the dream was to get five guys together that get a team and to get a house to play in. The dream. Get out of their parents' house, make a little bit of money, make a CSGO team. You owned your own team, right? Well, those days are over. Player control is going out the window, and all you have to do is look at the other esports and what they're doing. Players are, you know, who... Who thinks that a 19-year-old can make complex business decisions for a team? And, you know, and that's becoming a problem. And this is going to suck because I love all the players. And I know that, you know, it's just like, you know, they are the ones doing the work. But it truly is just like traditional sports where, you know, um, you know, Clayton Kershaw, if the Dodgers make the playoffs and lose in the first round, he doesn't get to go pitch for the team that's in the World Series, okay, um, and get traded. But at the same time, you know, it's the team that makes it. And I know Counter-Strike is sort of unique in that um, the team, and in terms of history and how people have said it, is that the team of the players. I think that it's going to start going to the organizational slots but I think the players need more protections in those organizations, yeah. especially with um, Sir Scoots and the uh, Counter-Strike Players Association that he's he's now championing. And I think you get more protection for the players, you give the slots to the organizations, and then you know you put all those three together, and I think there's a synergy to be had there. 
Yeah, and we also saw this being somewhat addressed lightly by ESL essentially um, announcing rules to their upcoming pro league. They extended roster lock times till like February 7th to give people a little bit more time, especially after the major to make any changes, which is good in Astralis' sense. Uh, and so I, I feel like, you know, having, again, you're looking at different leagues, making different rules, uh, different tournaments, making different rules. And we're just not ever going to have everybody seeing eye to eye but if Valve instituted some kind of way or this overarching way of uh, giving certain tournaments or leagues weight towards these majors, then that makes a little bit more sense. If you understand what I'm saying, like, you know, if you win ESL Pro League, you're automatically into it's you're automatically entered into the major. Right. Or if you you get so many points, or if you come in second, you get so many points. And it depends. Like, you know, you take on. ESL one Cologne, you win that. Oh, cool. You're automatically in. If you get to say like quarterfinals, you get so many points. And so you, you have a, a group that's like a mouse sports, which is quarterfinals along the way, still able to make it because they've been performing well in tournaments, whatever. But then you have someone who's like VP who, because they won or, or, or liquid because they place well in one tournament, they're now invited to the next major because, but they haven't done shit anywhere else. Like that's the other end of the spectrum that you're like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> like, like these teams haven't been performing. Don't have to go through qualifications only because they performed well one time in one tournament last year versus someone like Astralis or someone like FaZe who's repeatedly performed well, but is forced to play the extra matches and qualify. And I, and I, I understand that, well, you know, tournaments are tournaments. They have their own rules. They can do their own thing. But we're at a point where, especially in the last two years, there's been so much CSGO that people have to make the decision whether they even want to go to your tournament, well, depending on how many games they have to play. And that yep. just, uh, it's just a rough spot to be in. Now, uh, let's let's talk a little bit more uh, about some other CSGO stuff here. Uh, one of the things we're in terms of qualifications uh, that Kerrigan also brought up was the fact that there needs to be more spots for qualifications for CIS teams. Now, this past tournament, the major one, the biggest kind of out of nowhere uh, narratives was was QB Fire. Uh, even in, in some cases, like you've got like Vegas Squad and some of these other teams that are not necessarily like your your high end, like your top 10, even really uh, teams that you would normally expect in every major or every tournament, but you've got like QB fire coming out of nowhere and performing so, so well. And they're coming from the CIS region they're, They, they came through qualification qualifier. Uh, and who knows how many other QB fires are out there. Um, but they're limited because they are from the CIS region, CIS region. So they only get so many chances to even make the major. Well, yeah. And I mean, what a great story they are, too. I mean, yeah. you know, come out of nowhere, come from that particular region and, you know, make the quarterfinals. Um, and that's why I really like my qualification, uh, uh, I guess, roadshow where you it doesn't <laughs> matter what region you're from. Anybody and anybody and everybody can sign up and play in any of the eight qualifiers. And once you've qualified, you know, your slot gets taken away and you no longer get to be in it. It's very, and if you don't know, that's very similar. It's the same way that USA Volleyball and USA Sports do their national championships uh, for junior athletics, which is they have a series of qualifiers that 
any team can play in. It doesn't matter where you live from Maine to California. And if you wanted to go to all the qualifiers and play, that's how many swings you're taking it trying mm-hmm. to qualify. You know, so and then they do have a couple of at larges. So if you go to all the qualifiers and you have a body of work that, you know, after the quali- after the teams that qualify have been placed, then you still have a chance to, you know, get into the qualifier. And I'd like to see that as the method of of how more CIS teams or more teams from China or more teams than anywhere can play. Because if you you have uh, a number of qualifiers that it doesn't matter what region you're from and you can go in there and play every single time, well, guess what? You have more chances. And we don't want to give spots to people just because they come from a certain area if they're not very good. Let them fight it out amongst the masses against the best teams in the world for the uh, qualifier roadshow. And I think you are 100% onto something there, which is the regionality piece of CSGO is kind of kind of a wash, right? I think a lot of games kind of shoehorn in this regionality piece, like NA versus EU, to kind of build up rivalry, build up steam within their esports scene. And that that scene's already here with CSGO, and, and you don't necessarily need it, especially now that NA is trampling everybody and we win, and you can't make the NA jokes anymore. I'm just kidding. Um, but that, that completely aside, uh, I, I feel like uh, locking it into regions, because we've even seen like uh, uh, like South African teams. Uh, we've seen other regions that just aren't generally even included at all, but have teams that could be competitive, They've closed down the scene so much because you have okay. Here's so many European slots. Here's so many NA slots, and then you run into other the other the flip side, which is you have like Optic, which goes from being an NA team to uh, mismatched European team like last year. So you run into all these different little issues because you're region locking uh, for no real real reason. Exactly. Uh, that is legit anymore or needs to happen anymore. And it's not like you're running leagues essentially within those. You're always having the same teams competing in the main tournaments against each other. And so maybe it's for viewership reasons, right? Maybe it's because, uh, you know, if any teams weren't good enough to even make it, you would have all European and nobody would watch CSGO. But I don't think that's the case. I think you would have more people watching qualifiers as well. Versus just waiting oh, for the end of it. No, exactly. You know, and here's the thing. One is, you know, there's two different types of tournaments you can You can run a world championship. And funny enough, that's what Kerrigan and I talked about in uh, our interview was that, you know, he does not like the fact that the major starts the year. Okay. He would rather have it um, end the year in early December, have it be a world championship. And the team that wins it gets to be the world champions for however long until the next time. So what I'm saying is, is that if you wanted to do a regionalized tournament, well, let's select eight regions and take the best team out of each one and let them play a world championship in that style. Kind of what is that? The WESG kind of thing or something like that. But in order, if we want a tournament with the, best teams well the open qualification process is the best way to do that because it's not shutting anybody out and quite frankly the eight best teams could be eight teams from europe who knows but 
And I think that's really what they're trying to uh, eliminate is if at some point in Counter-Strike, you know, the top eight teams are from Europe, nobody in America is going to watch it, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, look, um, if you have, you know, those legends, you'll have a couple, you know, you'll have an NA team, you'll have some teams. But the open qualification um, circuit is, I think, a must and it eliminates uh, regions and just gets the best teams here. I'm I'm laughing to myself a little bit because I'm starting to think like the way in which uh, Cloud Nine started off this tournament, this major, like they probably wouldn't even qualified. It felt like had they not been an NA team uh, in the NA lane, being a little easier to drive in uh, to get into the major. But that that aside. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Come back with some Overwatch because we have uh, we have talked so much CS:GO. I love it, uh, and we'll be back in just a second. All right, we're back and we're talking Overwatch because I need to figure out uh, whether or not Kevin Hitt has the answer for what the hell is going on with the Dallas Fuel. <laughs> because going, <laughs> going into the season, man, everybody was Dallas Fuel fans uh, that I know, uh, and everybody had them kind of pegged as maybe with a top four team or maybe a top five. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw them being one and seven at this point in time. Yeah, I don't think anybody saw that happening. Not even the folks over at Winston's Lab. Adam ranked uh, preseason, I think, in the top four. Look, the team isn't just isn't getting it done. I mean, you know, they've they've had a little bit of controversy, uh, and I think that's affected the team a little bit. And I, I think until uh, look, the team's not going to be bad. The team's not going to be bad forever. They're going to, once they kind of settle in and they get their new player acclimated, I forget, they just signed a new player here. And that, they, get that, they get them off Twitch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, There's another story in itself. But they need to make sure that that as an organization, they kind of, I don't know how to say it, uh, pull the reins back a little bit with some of these guys and make sure that, I understand that this is a professional league, that they are professional athletes. And uh, I think once that happens, I think that um, I think things are going to start turning around for these guys. And it's just unfortunate um, that they've just run into some teams that have been, you know, playing very well. And, you know, everybody, everybody wanted, you know, Dallas and Houston to be kind of the, you know, the, uh, the, the rivalry. But, uh, you know, unfortunately for these guys, it just hasn't happened so far. No, it, it hasn't. And I think part of it is, I mean, with, with XQC uh, getting bumped out in the last, yep. uh, uh, well, uh, gone. <laughs> just say gone for the time <laughs> being uh, due to some issues on Twitch. Uh, it, it feels like they, they relied heavily on having some flex players like Mickey and, and people who could step in and be tank, but they don't. They, they still never feel like they, they're 100% complete. And I don't know if it's because they, they shuffle up between maps, uh, but it doesn't feel like they have a hundred like a, a real rhythm established between their, uh, their their DPS, their supports. Like, they're just their team in general. Like they, it doesn't seem to be there. Then you, on the flip side, you look at someone like uh, the, the Dynasty, who kind of refuses to change people up between maps, right? And they just run with the same people because they have that depth. And I think some things we're seeing with the, the, the fuel is... That maybe a lack of depth, lack of depth, 
uh, or just, well, I guess at a company is that the, the ability, inability to create uh, good team comps or counter comps uh, on the correct map. And I think that's what we're running into is they, they need to find uh, a little more flexibility or depth or sort out who is the best crew for which map. And I think they're still trying to figure that out and, and losing your essentially like your, your main tank or him getting him having bowed out because of problems on Twitch self-inflicted. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> just bowed out, just jumped right out the window. Uh, it's they're They're in a bad spot. You don't want to see any team run into that. And, but I think they were just, uh, more affected by that. It, it's weird because they started off so strong, right? The the dynasty game, like you're like, holy crap! They're they're going that first map on like Anubis was like toe to toe. They took it, and I'm like, whoa! They yes, they are top four. And then almost every game after that was like, who is at the wheel right now? And can we take them off prescrip- prescription meds? Because it's <laughs> it, something happened. Like they just stopped caring and even so we look at like this last round or this week uh, i think it was like uh the the first round of games i can't remember who they were against but they were running like just your your just the most boring two dps comp nobody cared and yeah they lose no 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 doubt but there, there's some definite issues here with the fuel and uh i don't think that they're going to sort it out uh, this part of the season so yeah yeah stage one is just going to be a loss for these guys basically and I, I think you're absolutely right um look toxic players and players that create drama around them uh even though you're their teammate can absolutely kind of seep into the team persona of who they are and irritate and you know just and xqc um you know, look, I'm not putting the entire blame on this kid for uh, stop calling him a kid. He's an adult. You know, this guy for, you know, acting out and just saying some of the most atrocious things I've ever heard on stream. Um, but think about it like this. He let his team down when you're a professional and you do something that takes you out of the lineup that you've been practicing with. You've let your team down and he has let down the other five, you know, starters on this team. And, you know, because come on, they'd been practicing with a set lineup, doing what they needed to do. And then all of a sudden, because of stupidity, you're going to change the, you know, the whole makeup of the team, you know, change some of the, uh, you know, most played comps and underperform. And that's exactly what's happening right now. So it's really disappointing to see. Um, I hope they can bounce back. You know, Kai Kai is one of my all-time favorite coaches and guys. A guy knows what he's doing. You know, he builds teams on personalities. And, uh, you know, while XQC is somebody that, you know, he's got that, he's got that moxie, like, I'm going to beat you. But he gets carried away with that. And, uh, you know, Kai Kai is going to have to get that guy in order in order for this team to succeed. So there's a couple of different, um, I guess you could be on a couple of different sides of the fence here when it comes to XQC. And, and part of it, I can agree with the man, uh, which is things that he says on stream should not be taken into account of what he is doing for Overwatch League. That in some way, shape or form holds some truth. Uh, now... The thing with him getting, 
you know, kicked out of basically stage one was largely because of him attacking another Overwatch player within on his stream. And that is what they found as being the, the, the key issue. Now, uh, regardless of what side of fence uh, you choose or you think that I'm choosing, I still believe you need to be a good human being. And what comes out of this man's mouth largely when he is streaming uh, is just uh, indicative of being a shitty person. And I don't think you can make the, the, the case or defend him when he's repeatedly just doing uh, or saying just crap you shouldn't say. And, and I think in some ways, shape or form, there is definitely some mental issues going on there. And I'm not like, like kind of laughed at because I'm just making the call, but not because he actually has it. Like it's, it's hard to, but I think there's something underlying wrong there. I don't know if it's a cultural thing of just cultural video games being toxic, or there's actually a, uh, something mentally going on in which he needs to uh, address and that could be it i know a lot of people who are streamers they stream the same game all the time they run into things like depression they have issues and, and it's it's just a tough spot to be in but one of the things that did happen that re- what i'm kind of uh segueing into is uh monte cristo actually came out and, and kind of sort of but didn't really defend him uh he tweeted and he says i'm sure most of us are grateful we didn't have a spotlight or a platform for all our dumb teenage or early 20 thoughts. I know I am. Let's choose, choose compassion until malicious intent is definitively, definitively proven. He shouldn't uh, speak so eloquently when I've been drinking. So, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, what came out of this was DJ wheat uh, over it. Uh, who's the, actually the, the director of Twitch uh, studios. Uh, he says, you know, I read this as it's okay to be racist and disrespectful before you're 25, but it's not okay. It's not absolutely not okay. And so I think you're seeing like the two different sides of the fence uh, within that clash, granted on Twitter, Twitter drama, but you, you see people like it's, he's a kid, like you had said, but he's not a kid. He needs to be respectful. He needs to be a normal human being. It's just still not okay. No matter exactly. what his intent was. No, exactly. And here's the thing. Let's just let's be real honest. You know, before I was an esports writer, you know, I was in law enforcement. Before I was in law enforcement, I was a a, a, a lifelong volleyball coach, having coached um, high school, college, and then with the women's Olympic team. And, this sounds like a national lampoon, like the the plot line to it. Let's just go. Yeah, with it. yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, so I I have seen just about everything an athlete can go through uh, in terms of um, who they are. And I'm just going to tell you professional athletes for the most part. Now this isn't all of them, but generally speaking are kids and grown up bodies. All they've done is play a game their entire life. They've played video games their entire life. They have a certain culture that they've been a part of where you know, it's okay to get on comms and say things that you can't go out in the middle of a mall or church and say. Um, a point being that uh, guy Delor, I think his name was, the guy that was with Toronto Esports that screamed the N-word on stream for like 45, 46 seconds straight and yes. thought that was okay. You're right. I remember um, that one. Yeah. yeah. And so this guy, you know, look, Monty... He is. He's money's a nice guy. I side with DJ Wheat, although I do not believe that money uh, in at all was um, saying it's OK 
okay to be a racist or or any of that. But which is funny because it wasn't a racial thing right. that XQC was saying. It was a homophobic thing that he was saying. And in fact, I found a video of XQC from about five months ago where he basically does the same thing, but for a longer time. And it was very disturbing. And so for me, putting that together with what had happened um, in this particular incident shows me that the that the guy simply can't learn right now. And he doesn't understand. And the reality is, do you know how many children in their, you know, 13, 14? I've seen them. Blizzard has done such a great job in terms of marketing this game to a, a young budding audience. And if this is the kind of guy that's representing, you know, the league, the Dallas Fuel and Overwatch, they've got a serious problem. Yeah, they can't be they can't have someone like this and doing it, especially when they're in a spotlight. And I think, you know, DJ, we'd also brought up the fact like, you know, they should all have like simple media trainings. Expectations should be set. Right. Uh, that this behavior streaming or not anywhere, whatever it may be, is just not acceptable. And I think that's. Uh, that's true. And Brian and I mentioned or jokingly mentioned like, you know, there should be a clause within all the contracts that what you do on Twitch or if you are streaming for Twitch, especially in this, his case where he has the Jack in the Box logo up there and he's yeah. promoting everything else like that. So he's essentially at that point in time, uh, if he's quote unquote, oh, it's my own thing, but you're crossing the line when you're still using your sponsor up there. And I'm sure that that sponsor is in some way, shape or form technically paying for that uh, logo to be up there you're still doing it in favor of Overwatch League. And so, therefore, you should still uh, keep your cool uh, and uh, not go on these stupid-ass rants. Uh, like, you know, I mean, get a, get yourself a podcast. Do your own rant. Um, <laughs> but it, it's true. I, I think um, I think you just media training, setting expectations needs to be there. Uh, it's tough because there isn't a ton of precedent because it's such a new league. Uh, and... This kind of stuff, uh, I mean, the only real precedent is set is just, you know, other esports, uh, uh, you know, leagues and events and teams and things doing those th- sorts of uh, shenanigans. But uh, it's, yeah, it's just a tough spot for Blizzard to be in uh, and XQC because he just doesn't it, understand because he's not learning. He's not, a, he's a yeah, toddler. It's not, it's not <laughs> tough to not tell some guy to go suck more dick. That, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's being true. in control of your own person. Yeah. I mean, and it just so happens that the guy he was talking to is gay. And now, did he mean that? Now, look, I known people that just go for the most vicious insult they can to hurt you, even though they're not homophobic or racist or whatever. But you just don't do that. You don't do that. And the guy's got a repeated pattern of it. And so that's what really bothers me. When a, a guy like that has said the same thing before and look, the the bottom line is just like in any professional sport, what you do outside of the game, whether you think it's right, wrong or indifferent, directly affects your brand, your team, the league. And that's why you see people get suspended for the dumb things they do, even when they're not on the clock. This is the truth. So let's 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 talk about uh, backfilling XQC's spot here. Uh, we a little bit with the the new rules, the roster rules for Overwatch 
uh, League were recently announced. And I think you actually had something up on uh, VP Esports talking about the, the changes. Can you go uh, a little in depth on what the announcement basically was or what the rule set is? Yeah, which is great. This is and this is the kind of stuff that makes me happy. You know, having that kind of transparency where people know the rules. So, you know, if something happens, you know, we have some context. But, uh, you know, starting uh, on Monday, January 22nd, that was the beginning of the free agent signing period, which means basically, you know, any of the 12 teams can sign any player that's not currently under contract for any of the other 11 teams, which is great. Um, So, you know, anybody that's over the age of 18 that, you know, these teams think uh, are quality that can, you know, help bolster their roster, think Florida Mayhem uh, and all six of their players, and, you know, adding a couple more or, you know, after this stage, seeing what they need in order to, you know, what they think they need to get better, um, they can uh, sign players starting uh, on that date. And then the players that they sign will be um, added at the beginning of stage two. So right on about February 21st, they'll uh, those players that they sign during this free agent period, and then um, they'll be able to uh, add them to the roster. Now, this is actually good for uh, Mayhem, who, like you mentioned, are running with only six people. So uh, them being one in seven and having six people means they have plenty of spots uh, left open to to kind of uh, fill in the gaps that they need to to not be one in seven anymore. Uh, However, Dallas feels a little more, uh, well, they've got a majority of their team at least in place. Uh, they still have spots, I believe, open, right? I think like maybe one or two, two. Yes, I think. they do. Yeah, Dallas does for sure. Yeah. So, uh, but Mayhem could just basically get a whole other team if they yeah, want. Yeah, they can go. They have six spots, and looking, you know, looking over Dallas Fuel's roster, um, they have three spots that they can sign. So, yeah, there's definitely some wiggle room for these guys too. Uh, and if uh, Florida Mayhem, if you're listening. Please go out and sign some people because you're one you're one food poisoning away from playing three on six. You're yeah, you're just one <laughs> you're like one missed flight or uh from being like Philadelphia Fusion uh preseason. Uh so I wanted to chat about a couple other things that are uh kind of floating out there in the ether that has happened in the last week or so. Uh it's been been uh, a pain getting the show uh put together in the last uh, 2 weeks because of technical difficulties. Uh Brian being uh, deported to Japan, not really deported, he just oh, ran there anyways. But uh um we had uh, two big signings or exclusivity deals uh, around CS:GO uh signed up here. We've got ESL signed a CS:GO deal with Facebook. And E-League uh, signed their CSGO deal with, with Twitch. Uh, what are your thoughts about the exclusive deals? And, uh, yeah. Let, let me just say, yeah, so in the Hell funny thing. Throw right there. And, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. No, I caught it. I caught it with both hands. Um, <laughs> no, the, it's funny because, you know, when, when Kevin Naki, um was working with us at WWG and we had our eSports Today uh, Series XM, you know, one of our um, last shows of 2016 was that, or two, yeah, 2016 was that going forward, the biggest stories in esports are going to be exclusivity deals for broadcast. It just seemed like the natural progression of what's going to happen. Cause, you know, look, 
uh, I think it was uh, Fox may have just won Thursday Night Football bidding more than anybody, or ESPN, I think it was, bidding more than everybody. Go figure. Um, and I think it's great. I think it breeds competition, and I am so happy that um, ESL signed this deal with Facebook. Um, I think Facebook is the perfect pl- – think about it like this. A lot of people shit on ESL and Facebook saying, oh, this is a crappy deal, blah, blah, blah. Show me another platform with that many people that there you can that. reach. Yeah. And yeah. let's just get 1%. Let, let's get half of 1% of all the people on Facebook watching CSGO on Facebook. Watch what happens. The numbers will be astronomical. So I look at it as a win, 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 win for ESL, win for Facebook, win for the fans, because the production isn't going to change. They're just streaming it on a different service. And as soon as they figure out whether you can clip things out and, you know, you know, copy some video so you can make your best plays thing on YouTube, well, they'll have that figured out. So I'm stoked on that. I'm stoked on the E-League deal with Twitch because... You know, I, I have to say, I really think the folks at E-League um, are the gold standard of broadcasting. Obviously, they've turned their, you know, TBS studios and all their knowledge, you know, with the NBA on TNT, with their basketball tournaments, uh, NC2A. They've turned that into the production model for CSGO. And for them to sign that deal with Twitch, hey, it gives us two different places to watch and we're going to find out which one we like the most. But at the same time, I think we watch them both anyways. And I think it's going to grow the game. And that's what matters, growing the game. Yeah, I think largely uh, it just being accessible online uh, is what people want, right? And, and so, I mean, we saw a lot of pushback when uh, there was only going to be the very first, like, E-League final was only going to be on TBS and not on, they do, weren't going to have the additional stream on, on Twitch. And there was just a lot of pushback. And I understand, like, the logistics issues and technology issues and, and even things with, uh, you know, broadcast rights and commercials and so on and so forth and uh, revenue streams. I get all of that. And, and, and so I think... Um, the, the platform piece is really, if anything, it's a win for the tournament throwers, right? So, uh, if, if you're ESL and Facebook wants to give you money to throw it online in their space, you're like, yeah, sure. Cause it's not cheap throwing a tournament. Same thing as if you're, you're E-League, especially when it's like Twitch and you're going to be there anyways, like, sure, I'll take an exclusive deal because I probably wasn't going to go to the other place anyways because I've already established my home here. I think it's more of a jump for ESL to Facebook than it is for E-League to Twitch, obviously. Um, but I think the ESL to uh, Facebook might have even spurred the exclusivity thing with, with Twitch uh, and, and E-League. Maybe I'm sure that was already in the works. But I'm sure that they got, that kind of uh, uh, kicked it in gear, especially with them getting the record of like what 1.13 million people watching, uh, like, geez, like just yeah. absurd. Uh, and so I think um, you know it, it's it's win for E League and it's win for ESL. I know ESL did come out and uh, uh, there was like a post on Reddit where they were apologizing for some issues that they had with the streaming. Uh, on their very first run on Facebook. So it didn't necessarily go without a hitch. There was some production stuff uh, going on. But I mean, I, if you're, I, if I'm at Facebook, the, it makes sense. This play to uh, get uh, ESL with the amount that they stream, 
uh, especially going with any like the ESL one tournaments, which I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent, the tournaments or if it's just their pro league stuff. Um, but, uh, Facebook is uh, even, I think it's like, as of this past week, um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, was, this is Zuckerberg. <laughs> I just make, yep. yep. Okay, cool. Uh, for some reason I was thinking, uh, uh, Gutenberg, and I just totally went back to like the eighties <laughs> or nineties. Uh, um, <laughs> I was like, did I just freaking say Gutenberg? Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> woo. <laughs> anyways, he announced it like I think it was in the last quarter uh, that people spent uh, fifty million less hours on Facebook. So, what's the best way to get people to spend more time on Facebook? Video or a tournament that takes forty-eight hours and so long that we can't actually do the semis. Uh, and the finals in the same day because it does not cost effective. Uh, but let's throw all that on there and get people watching more, staying more on the platform. And video is the way that they're going right now. I mean, I know that like Facebook, even Amazon's all fighting for things like uh, soccer rights. Uh, and so you're going to see, I, my assumption is you're going to see soccer even stripped away from your traditional broadcast networks like NBC. It, it's it's weird. You're not wrong because I can tell you I've got some you know, what do I call them? Uh, my Game of Thrones, my little birds out there yeah. are telling me that um, there are some big things mm-hmm. coming from a major sports uh, broadcaster. And uh, they may be bringing some programming to Twitch and or, um, well, what do you say? They might be trying to acquire said uh, platform. This is just what I'm hearing. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you, we, we've seen a lot of dabbling like NFL and everybody else like that kind of tinkering with Twitch and trying to get that audience because, I mean, when you look at traditional sports and they're losing that kind of uh, um, that 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 customer segment or that viewer segment in, in Twitch and these platforms have it like they all want it. Right. And, and Twitch has it. And I feel like for like the longest time um, I was talking about how Twitch. Uh, was was kind of fighting this exclusivity war, and I was like, well, people are just going to come to this platform anyways, uh, and because they've already established Twitch. You've seen things like, what was it like, Hitbox came out, and they just kind of didn't really do it. You've got Mixer coming out, and Mixer's still struggling. YouTube gaming, like you've got all these people trying to be Twitch, and they're not able to do it. And even some exclusive deals still aren't helping them. Um, but when you start getting into like the bigger networks, and everybody's trying to lock down exclusive deal with a team or a league, whatever. I don't know. I, I, what I want is a central TV guy that'll tell me what tournament, uh, what he's Splice. Splice TV, man. Remember those guys? They, they worked their butt off to have the, uh, you know, they, they had a schedule on a TV schedule and what events were happening. And Marty, uh, Marty, uh, crushed that. It was so good for so long. And that's, but you're right. We need like a esports TV guy.com. <laughs> Where I, we can see where everything's going. I just saw on Reddit the other day where somebody built like an API for it uh, or had used an API from one of the tournament, like Battlefy maybe even. Uh, and so it was able to tell you when the tournaments were taking place and yada, yada, yada. It wasn't uh, 100% like a complete listing, but it was still like that kind of setup. And I think I bookmarked it and saved it somewhere on my okay. system. But I was like, oh, this is kind of nice because that's the kind of thing that I need because there's so much esports going on right now. Uh, yeah. That would be nice to know. And so... 
uh, maybe 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 we're rare birds in the, in the fact that we like to watch multiple esports. But um, yeah, I, I digress. We've gone down a whole nother path here. But uh, just old men sitting on the, yelling at the, the TV guide stuff. Um, yelling at the clouds. Anyways, uh, <laughs> with that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up and call it a show. Kevin, I do want to give you a chance to uh, give a shout out to where people can find you, chat with you, yell at you, uh, send you funny gifts. Let, let it fly. Yeah, challenge me. Um, yeah, no. Uh, you can find me at, um, obviously, at vpesports.com, uh, where all my work is being seen right now. But you can also find me on Twitter at Kevin underscore hit. And, um, you know, I reply to everybody that uh, comes my way. Nice or not. Don't don't start fights with Kevin. You can also check us out, uh, our latest episodes, every week, uh, as long as technology allows us to, to produce those episodes on iTunes, Overcast, Podcasts, and TuneIn, or basically on, on nerfthis.gg. Uh, we also have the Discord server, uh, which you're more than welcome to drop in, throw out some news stories, things you might want to hear on the show, uh, or just, just hang out and chat with us. That's at nerfthis.gg slash Discord. It's pretty easy to remember. Uh, you can go ahead and uh, hop in there and then... And, uh, Tell us what's up. Kevin's here now. Kevin's here. We just joined. Uh, anyways, I'm here. I'm here. And uh, I'm not Brian. And Brian, I hope everything is uh, good in Japan. <laughs> You're a big man in Japan. And so uh, also, if you Love do want to follow our shenanigans, uh, you can also kind of uh, check us out over there on, on Twitter and on Facebook. And I believe we still do stuff on Instagram on occasion, but mostly it's the Twitter. And that's Nerf This GG or Nerf This Crew on Twitter. And uh, Kevin, thanks again, man, for being super flexible, coming out, hanging out with me, talking some uh, CSGO. I love it. I love it. I, I normally just talk Hearthstone, but I love CSGO. <laughs> no, you guys, it, it's obviously always great to be here. Um, it's one of the uh, most knowledgeable podcasts that I've listened to, and uh, I'm better for having been here. Yeah, fake it till you make it. That's our motto. All right. With that, with that we're going to go ahead and call it a show, and uh, I'll, I'll talk to everybody next week or in Discord. 